Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. This show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its Soundness Initiative. This episode is also sponsored by the POCUA, a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. Always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals. And you and your family deserve better. Hi, I'm Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I have a very intriguing guest with me today. Let me tell you a bit about him. His name is James McNeil, and he is the author of Finding Your Personal Mission, which is a book about overcoming obstacles and eliminating suicidal thoughts. Uh, He is a U.S. Army veteran and a two-time suicide survivor, and we're really glad about that because we, I'm glad that he's with us, and also really pleased that we're going to get some insight from him because he's intimately acquainted with how to overcome suicidal obstacles. So, James, welcome to the show, man. It's a pleasure. Yes, sir. Pleasure is all mine, and before I even go any farther, thank you for your service. I truly, really appreciate it, my friend. Thank you, sir. Nope. My pleasure. So let's get right into the book, because that just came out within the last few weeks, of uh, Finding Your Personal Mission, Transforming Your Mind to Overcome Suicidal Thoughts. I uh, haven't had a chance to read the whole thing yet, but uh, I'm getting to it, I promise. But tell us about your motivation for writing it. I actually had an epiphany the other day of where this really started for me. Um, If you remember the name, and everyone should remember the name, Robin Williams. Sure, of course. Um, When I found out Robin Williams had passed, I was sad, of course, because I've been a fan since I was a kid, Mark and Mindy show, and all these things. And then I found out how it happened, and that hit me hard. Yeah. Um, at this point, I was, I was already a two-time suicide survivor, but I was dealing with these thoughts, and I realized somebody's got to do something. Now, I've always been a slow study on these things, and it took me a good long while to realize that somebody needed to be me, helping people to overcome it by showing them, hey, you know what? This is what I did to overcome this, and if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. I used to hate that phrase, but now I use it because I want people to understand there's nothing special about me that isn't also special about you. If I can overcome these suicidal thoughts, anyone can. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate the Mork and Mindy reference because, you know, I remember watching it as a kid in the eighties and I thought Pam Dauber was hot. I mean, I mean, she was, <laughs> she probably still is. I just haven't seen her anything in a while, but yeah, I, I think she- what, <laughs> I I think what the unfortunate incident with Robin Williams, because he was so famous, um, really brought brought to light is the issues of mental illness. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I for one, am not a suicide provider. I've, excuse me, survivor. Uh, I'm not a provider of suicide either. <laughs> Neither one. Um, but you're not, you know, you're not Dr. Kowarkian. I get I, it. I am not. I am not. I, I've got a number of talents. Fortunately, that is not one of them. 
but you know, I do have a tendency to go to a dark place. You know, I, I am a recovering alcoholic. I'm in an AA program and, and find that, you know, even, even though I haven't gone so far as suicide, that it's, it's really easy to go into that dark place. And I think that's what happened, happened with Robin Williams. Is, is that kind of your history as well, somehow going into that dark place? Or is it, or is it, something, or is it something else, I, I should say? You're, you're very close to it. The, the history of going into the dark place. Um, with Robin Williams, it wasn't just that. It was that he covered it up so well with the fact that anyone that knew him would say he loved to laugh and he loved to make people laugh. And, and if you start looking at the people in your life that they love to laugh and they love to make other people laugh, there might be an issue there that they're trying to cover up like he was. Yeah. Um, he, he, was he, he was suffering in silence because of the stigma that has been put on this well, don't talk about it because people will think you're weak. And that ties into chapter one, imposter syndrome. Don't, don't talk about this. People will think you're weak. Um, for me, it was, like you said, it was a dark, that dark place of, well, you know, I guess I'm a, a screw up. I can't do anything right. Yeah. And that when I got, when I first got out of the army, I was told throughout my enlistment, especially in basic training, I was told employers love to hire veterans. They love to hire veterans. They'll hire you before they hire anybody else. And then I get out of the army and find out that's not the case. Yeah. It's, it's, it may have been when they said it, but not when I got out. But um, when, I got, when I got out, I, I started dealing with this frustration, this mentality of, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Maybe I'm just yeah. a failure. Maybe I just can't do this. And that's where imposter syndrome kicks in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I certainly can identify with the imposter syndrome. And I remember reading that, that snippet or that portion of the book, um, you know, you go through life sometimes and you think, you know, I'm not as good as I think I am. I'm not, you know, the, I got this, you know, VP position at the age of 30. Did I really deserve this? You know, you, you, you get into that type of thinking. And, and to your point, not on this show, although I'm trying to, to get this gentleman, uh, he does a great podcast called uh, Vet Pivot, uh, a gentleman by the name of Matt Kuchera, who talks about getting military veterans in the right position. Yeah, I think what he would say, and I remember from our earlier discussion, is that saying people love to hire veterans is too blanket of a statement. I think that there are some organizations and leaders out there that do truly love to hire veterans. Uh, and from, uh, for others, you know, there is, I wouldn't say a stigma, but more of a stereotype of what they're getting from a veteran that may make them a little hesitant. Exactly. Um, in 2014, Boone Cutler made a video. In the video, he said that a lot of, I think he said 46% at that time of hiring managers say it's a challenge to hire veterans because of PTSD. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's a lie. Mm -hmm. It's PTSD phobia. Yeah. Not PTSD that's the problem. Um, but when, when, a, when a soldier gets off active duty and they, 
all of a sudden their identity is lost. They don't have the camaraderie they used to have. They don't have the respect they used to have. And of course, they don't have the source of income they used to have. Um, the, that plunges them into an identity crisis. Okay, yesterday I was a soldier or airman or marine or whatever branch, but yesterday I was a soldier. What am I today? And then they just plunge right into, I'm not as good as I thought I was, because if I was, I probably would have stayed on active duty. Yeah. And for somebody like myself who got medically discharged, that's even worse because in January of 2005, they started the medical discharge paperwork by uh, May, I was I was out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've heard that before. Not ha not being a neither a public safety professional nor a military veteran. You know, I I appreciate all of those folks, but can only speak vicariously from many great conversations that I've had. Uh, but I I believe, and I've heard this, um, and I think this is true of you mentioned before we started recording Robert Thibodeau, who does a great uh, podcast called the uh, Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Um, you know, he was a military veteran and then went into law enforcement. And he, may, he told me a story about how when he started in the academy as a police officer, he found all of that training pretty easy. In fact, uh, what I, th I think his sergeant or what have you even said, were you in the military? And he says, yes. And so you're going to have no problem with this. So I think that's why, or maybe one reason why many military veterans gravitate to many public safety professions, whether it be EMT, firefighter, law enforcement, et cetera. Most definitely. Uh, people, we miss the, the, like I said, the camaraderie, the structure of it. Yeah. And, going from one structured environment to another structured environment makes it a lot easier. But it also, being in, in the public safety realm, has its own set of stress and its own set of, of hardships. Yeah. Now a word from our sponsor, the Police Officers Credit Union Association. The POCUA can suggest a credit union that serves public safety professionals in practically every state in the country. One state we definitely have covered is Hawaii. Hawaii Law Enforcement Credit Union serves over 30 police organizations in that state, including Honolulu Police, Kauai Police, and Maui Police, just to name a few. They have been serving law enforcement since 1937 and continue to honor its statewide membership by providing a myriad of products and services that meet its Ohano's needs. For information about Hawaii Law Enforcement Credit Union, go to hlefcu.com or Call 808-973-4311. To find an institution to serve you in any of the other 49 states, go to policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals. And you deserve better. Yeah, let's let's segue back into the unfortunate but needed subject of suicide, uh, because I know suicide rates for for many public safety professionals. Frankly, I know uh, in my circles, law enforcement gets highlighted, and that certainly is an issue. 
Uh, but it's not just law enforcement. I've seen uh, increased numbers from corrections officers. Uh, I've seen increased numbers from uh, healthcare professionals, given the COVID-19 stresses and so forth, uh, where the suicide numbers are going up. As a two-time suicide survivor, um, you've overcome a number of obstacles. You, how did you overcome those uh, to become a survivor and be talking to us today? The best way I can describe that is to go to, and it's in the introduction to, to finding your personal mission, which is right here. <laughs> the best way I can describe that is to explain what happened the last time I was this close to it. I was, I was about to become a three-time att uh, uh, attemptee, and maybe you would have, would have finished the job that night because I had a uh, very large bottle of sleeping pills. Mm -hmm. And how I found the courage and the presence of mind to reach out, I do not know. I just know that I did. And a, uh, a friend of mine directed me to a Bible verse uh, now, if your listeners aren't many, much as far as the Bible is concerned, you can tune out for a second. But <laughs> this is something that really saved me because he took me to Ephesians 2.10. And in that verse, it talks about how you are God's workmanship. And then he, he asked me the question, what does it take for a sword to be a masterpiece? He knew I collected swords or at one point had. And the long story short is that for a sword to be a masterpiece, it has to be created or made by a master. Mm -hmm. And since we are made by a master, because we call God master, you're a masterpiece. So that's what really, it, it really cemented that journey getting started, was the understanding of who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm not junk. I am not a, a failure. I'm not a fake. I'm not a fraud. I am a real masterpiece that has a real uh, mission to accomplish. That was the first step is understanding that one concept. Yeah, yeah, very interesting and very poignant. Um, and you know, never apologize for talking about the Lord on any of my shows. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I know for, you know, ir ironically in uh, many programs, including the one that I'm in, it talks quite a bit about the importance of finding that higher power or um, as many say, you know, God is, is you understand him because or her because uh, there's many understandings. And uh, I think he, there's even some solutions for the agnostic, fortunately. Uh, but I think that finding that higher power uh, and really using that as the basis uh, for help uh, certainly helped me, and I think helps a lot of people. It sounds like that was that was your case as well. Most definitely, yeah. Once I was able to get that understanding of this is who you are, mm -hmm. then I was able to build from there to to uh, conquer. First, the first thing uh, obstacle I ever came was imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, I tell people now, imposter syndrome almost killed me, and it really did. Yeah. From my understanding, professionals, uh, military, especially veterans, and public safety are the biggest targets for imposter syndrome because you have such a huge responsibility. And 
you're going to have this thought. You wouldn't be human if you didn't have this thought yeah. of, am I really up to this challenge? Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, you know, the, the stigma of mental illness has, has changed quite a bit, I believe, um, in the last few years. Um, yeah, I kind of see that vicariously a little bit, and also with with my wife being a healthcare professional, know that it, that it is changing in the right way, maybe slowly, but in the right way. But where it gets very difficult um, is is with the military, with public safety professionals, because there's this culture of you know you need to be Superman or Superwoman. Uh, you know, yeah, I know. You know, you just saw somebody get shot six times. Um, and a normal person that would probably bother him, but you know what, guess what? You need to shake it off because we need to go back to work tomorrow morning. Um, and then they internalize that and it, it creates a lot of issues, not only with, with alcoholism, but with, with porn, with, um, drugs, with gambling, with all kinds of outside mechanisms to, to try to deal with this. Uh, I even remember in, in one of my meetings, a firefighter saying that he originally had thought and talked to his friends about, you know what, if you saw what I saw on a regular basis, you'd be drinking to the level that I'm drinking too. So I think that, yeah, that one of the unfortunate situations with military and public safety professionals is they self-help, they self-medicate uh, in, in a way which, which, you know, frankly is rarely a good thing. <laughs> you, you are absolutely correct. Um, and speaking to your listeners who, who have a background in the military, when you went through basic training, if your basic training was anything like mine, when you went through basic training, your drill sergeants or drill instructors or whatever they called them, hammered the idea into you that you need to have a battle buddy everywhere you went. Mm -hmm. When I went through basic training, we were told if we saw you without a battle buddy, you were in trouble. You could not have just one person going anywhere, even if it was to the latrine, <laughs> even if, you know, it did not matter. You had to have somebody with you everywhere you went. And the drill sergeants told us over and over again, when you get into a combat situation, when you get into a situation where your life is on the line, you're going to need these people with you because they're going to be the ones that bring you back alive. Now, here's the question. When we get out of the military, why do we stop that? Why do we have this mentality now that we have to be Superman, like you said? We have to be... You know, Superman doesn't have anybody. Okay, well, he's Superman. He's an alien from another freaking planet. You're yeah. not. Why do you have this mentality? You have to be Superman. You need your brothers and sisters. You need your fellow uh, officers, firefighters, doctors, medics, veterans. You need your fellow people that have been through the crap you've been through yeah. to help you to get through that. And without them, you're not going to do it, plain and simple. Yeah. And, the, and the skyrocketing uh, suicide rates are just evidence of that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is an awesome story and a great analogy for, for all our listeners. Um, really important question. When you asked your battle buddy to accompany you to the latrine, did you tell him, come on with me? My doctor told me not to lift anything heavy today. 
I need, I need, a, I need a spotter. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll edit that out. Maybe I'll leave that in. We need. Sometimes we need a little levity for these heavy subjects. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, you know, I, I kind of expected you to do that, and I'm not surprised that you did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we've we've known each other hey, for a very come short on, time. Spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Anyhow, not not shifting gears too much, say kind of staying in somewhat of a humorous mode, but but also some reality is, you know, you talked about having a battle buddy and having somebody that really understands. Uh, my wife and I have this running joke. She she has the privilege of working with a lot of nurses in her line of work. Um, through mm-hmm. through this podcast and the work that I do at the POCUA, I have the privilege of working with a lot of active and retired law enforcement. And so our running joke is, you know, we'll, we'll have dinner and say, hey, you know what? I spoke to, you know, this really intelligent and insightful police officer. You know, guess what his wife does? And it's just let me guess, she's a nurse. <laughs> and I think we've done that you know, at least a dozen times. But you know, I even talked to some people in law enforcement, many of them that are married to nurses. Uh, some of them joke and say, hey, when you're on the midnight shift and you've got to take somebody to the ER, who the hell else are you going to talk to? Um, but also, I think that on, on a much more uh, deeper level, I think, you know, an ER nurse and a police officer are two, two of the few people in different professions that can actually have some understanding of what the other is going through. It's like, hey, you know what? You, sh- you should have been on this stop that I was on. You should have seen what I saw. Oh, really? You should have saw who they brought in at three in the morning, what I had to deal with. <laughs> You, uh, I, I've seen that a lot myself with yeah. the uh, police officer and the and the nurse. Yeah. That that is <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> yeah, I think it goes um, goes to like the battle buddy idea. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, it it really really does. Um, what, f- this is from the book. I got to tell you a, a little humorous Please. story that happened to me. And this is also going along the lines of, of the uh, imposter syndrome concept. In basic training in the Army, anyone who's been in the Army can tell you the Army has a uniform for everything, mm-hmm. including sleeping. The uniform for sleeping was a T-shirt, the, 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 the exercise T-shirt, the, the workout shorts, a pair of white socks, and then your shoes were under your bed. One o'clock in the morning in February, we had a fire drill. It was 15 degrees. <laughs> we, we grabbed our shoes, we slipped them on, we ran downstairs. We get down to the bottom, because we were, it was a, uh, the barracks were a three-story thing. The first floor was just an open area where we did all our stuff. And the second two floors were, were where we lived. I was on the top floor. So down to the bottom, there's a drill sergeant, go across the road and fall in, which, Go and get in the position of attention. Now, what's the one thing you cannot do in the position of attention? Move. Think about it. <laughs> can't, you can't move. It's 15, it's 15 degrees. I'm cold. Yeah. 
and I am petrified. I'm in basic training. I am petrified of the idea of getting in trouble for shivering. Yeah. So I let my mind over matter. I let my mind take me back to a to a creek where I grew up, mm-hmm. where it was summertime and I was fishing and I was feeling good. And I noticed out of the corner of my eye, the drill sergeant looking at me. And I'm thinking, oh crap, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so I've I, I redoubled my efforts to try to keep myself from, from moving because I must be shivering. I'm going to get in trouble, you know? Uh. Finally, it's, it's an eternity later. He lets us go back in and I'm starting to jog back in and I hear him yell, private. I turn around, I stopped. And you know, when, when someone calls your name, from behind and you're hoping they're not talking to you. Right. That, that look you give, that's what I did. It, it was me he was looking at. So I ran up and I got, you know, sitting parade rest. What you cold? I just, freeze your drill sergeant. Because at this point I was not in that happy place anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you, you weren't shivering. Too scared your drill sergeant. He laughed so hard. I thought he was going to, I thought he was going to fall over. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the question. I was afraid of being, I was afraid of getting in trouble because I was cold. So I hid that. Right. How many times do we hide our feelings? Yeah. How many, how many times do we hide what we're going through that we don't let anyone else see it? Going back to the Robin Williams conversation, yeah. he hid that because he was afraid of being judged. And that's exactly what we do. And so from the book, and this is a direct quote, so I'm going to read it from the book. Please. It is not a weakness to let other people see where you're struggling, nor is it a strength to cover it up. It is not a weakness to say, I need help. Yeah. Yeah. We all need help. And you are human. Give yourself permission to be imperfectly messed up human, because that's exactly what you are. The only people that are going to judge you are the people that are afraid of you judging them for being human. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed, my friend. Yeah, that's that's a great segue, too, because I remember either from the book or from our conversation, um, you suggest that, that friends and family need to go beyond just saying, hey, reach out if, if you need help. Um, and and there's, there's a lot of of value to that. And I've heard um, psychologists even say that the the real cure, like for instance, uh, I know this isn't an addiction show, uh, but for instance, the real cure for somebody with addiction is to treat the whole family and create a support there and not just create, or excuse me, not just treat the addict. And I think you might be referring to something along those lines. So what steps can can family and friends take to, to literally save lives? The, the steps, the, it starts with asking the questions and sticking around for the answers. Mm-hmm. It isn't just, it is not enough to simply say, hey, reach out, like you just said, hey, reach out if you need to talk. Quite simply, 99% of the time, someone who's struggling is not going to reach out. Right. They are not. I wish I could say it's different. It isn't. It was a Herculean effort for me to do so. That's unusual. If you have somebody in your friend, in your, in your friends list, your, your family that is dealing with these things, you need to go to them and help them to understand 
that they are not a fake, they're not a fraud. Remind them of what they bring to the table. Remind them of the good things they've done. Help them to understand that it's perfectly okay to ask for help. You need to initiate that conversation because someone who's struggling is most likely not going to do so. Yeah. Yeah, you're, I believe you're exactly right. I've seen it myself. Um, any any advice for the family or friend that you know, can truly tell that there's an issue, uh, but that individual just just isn't accepting of that help? Uh, because that's a difficult situation. So many people, and I know I've been there as well. You say, "I'm I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right." You know, I can ha- or I can handle this on my own. You know, even though that there's help mm-hmm. readily available, is there any any suggestions on how to reach that person that truly needs help but may not quite just realize it yet? Sometimes, as, as much as I hate to say it, sometimes pissing them off is the way to go. <laughs> um, yeah. I have had to do that on many occasions. Uh, I was a I was a moderator for a for a Christian website where being a moderator, we could see things that regular, uh, regular users couldn't see. And one of those was the IP address. We could see where someone was posting from. Mm-hmm. And if I saw something that looked like it was a, a problem um, that made me think somebody might try to hurt themselves, I could get the police involved, even from across the country. And I've done that. Yeah. So you, sometimes you just got to play hardball and say, look, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm not buying it. This is your friend. You can open up to me. And it, ultimately, it is their call, but you just got to keep, you got to persist. You got to keep keep at it and help make sure they know that you're not going to just walk away because they said, no, I'm okay. Keep at it and keep at it and keep at it until yeah. they finally say, okay, if I tell you, will you shut up? Yeah. Um, that's happened with me. And once you once you break through that that uh, barrier, then you can actually make a difference. Yeah, yeah, great point, and uh, a small plug, but a very very valid plug. Uh, before I I move on, uh, one of the POCUA's uh, partners is a an organization called Serve and Protect. Uh, we have them on our website. Um, they serve all public safety professionals, uh, whether you're an EMT, healthcare provider, law enforcement, firefighter, so forth. And they have licensed people ready to talk. Um, and it's and it all can be anonymous. Um, so you know some of the folks out there that may be listening to this that may yeah maybe I have a problem maybe I don't you know and I don't want anybody that I know to talk to just this minute. Yeah, there there is a resource out there to at least talk to somebody um, who who is going to listen, um, who is going to steer you in the right direction, and and you don't necessarily need to to make the the whole world uh, aware at least at, at this point. So I want to put that out there. Um, so you know, for some of those folks, you know, who who want to end the stress, they they want to end the pain. Um, and also realize that, you know, as I kind of alluded to just now, even if it's just a small feeling, you know, maybe it's not you know, terrible yet, but maybe it's just a small feeling that I'm not right. And uh, maybe I'm having a few thoughts that maybe this world is better without me rather than with me, which isn't true. Um, it, 
Yeah, and, and again, your shirt, you know, is perfect. You know, your story isn't over yet. For those people, you know, whose story is not over yet, and that's probably 100% of people, um, what's your advice for, for them? My advice is to remember this. Actually, write this down. You have not come this far to just come this far you have overcome some pretty incredible stuff in your life. However old you are, whatever you've been through, especially if you're in the public safety field, you have overcome some pretty incredible things. Mm -hmm. You didn't go through all of that to stop now. And like you said, the, the idea of the world would be better off without me is a complete lie. The world is a better place because you are in it, because people like you and yourself are serving people who don't even know it. Law enforcement, uh, uh, the medical community, ENTs, firefighters, all of you are doing an incredible job that, not, that most of us can't do. Even if I were young enough to do it, my body is not in a position to be able to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm fat. I'll just say it, okay? We need some people to take care of us. You are doing an incredible job. But the biggest thing is you haven't come this far to just come this far. That's the, that's the short version of it. Take that, write it down, and get something like this. I sell yeah. these so I could make money off of this, but I don't care where you get it. Something like this where you can wear it that says your story is not over yet. It yeah. is not. Where, you have a long way to go. Where, where can people find a your story is not over yet t-shirt? I'm a big t-shirt fan too. I'm wearing my public safety talk radio t-shirt. Where, where can they get yours, man? The best way to find it is you go to Facebook and you go to the page of the Inspirational Connection. It's facebook.com slash Inspirational Connection Shirts. And click the shop now, and that will take you right to it. Uh, that is, uh, I've got a very good friend, uh, well, two friends, Ginger and David, that run a company called Really Designs. And they do the, they do the product uh, fulfillment, but the designs are there. And this is, this is uh, my favorite of them is the Your Story Is Not Over Yet. Awesome. But if you awesome. go to facebook.com slash inspirational shirt, inspirational connection shirts, and you will see it. Awesome. And we'll definitely put that in the show notes. And, and even more importantly, for those that could really use uh, your brilliance, tap into your expertise, uh, and or find a copy of the book, how best can they do that? That is on Amazon. Uh, finding your personal mission is on Amazon. The Kindle Kindle is ninety nine cents. The uh, paperback is ten dollars, and this is this is the best resource that I can give right here. This shows the obstacles, like I said, that I went through, and if I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, it goes over imposter syndrome, has two chapters on that, anger issues, attitude. Believe it or not, at one point, I had an attitude problem. I can't figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, you know, somebody told the, me the, somewhere that I had an attitude problem, but, you know, I just discounted it. So maybe both of, both of the guys that told us that were wrong. 
<laughs> That's another story for another day. Um, but, uh, but you can get it on Amazon or you can get it on Audible. Audible has a copy of this as well. Perfect. Perfect. Well, definitely go out and, and grab that book. Uh, grab a t-shirt too. Um, and, and James, it's been wonderful and very insightful to have you on Public Safety Talk Radio today, my friend. It has been a pleasure, my brother, and I, uh, I look forward to hearing from you again. I'm sure we'll talk again without question. Thank you again. It's been my pleasure. And thank you to all of you that have either watched or listen to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we will be back with you in about a week with another awesome guest. Take care. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today. Thank you.